three, buddy. Act three. Act three. Oh, oh, act three. Oh, oh, act three. <laughs> act three. Yes, Bunny, my friend, who is more than brother to me. It is time once again for all of us to roll up our sleeves, furrow our brows, and dive headfirst into the third and final act of the Pope on Film podcast. And for the uninitiated out there, the third and final act is when we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all-new limited variant edition gold foil embossed movie of the week. And this week, we continue our summer-long tribute to the late great actor, Mr. Fred Willard, with a deep dive into Christopher Guest's 2003 mockumentary, a film so good uh, that we forget that the title is a fart joke, A Mighty Wind! I, I, I thought you said Waiting for Guffman. I thought you said it was a mighty wind. Yeah, it was a mighty wind. I thought I could swear you said it was waiting for Guffman. No, it was a mighty wind. I think I mentioned last week that uh, that when it comes to Fred Willard appearances in Christopher Guest documentaries, I think most people would go automatically to waiting for Guffman. But when I think of Fred Willard, I immediately think of. What happened? what happened? And that's from A Mighty Wind. It's also, yes. I mentioned it last week, A Mighty Wind is uh, was our first date. Natasha and I. Did you watch Waiting for Guffman and not A Mighty Wind? No, I watched A Mighty Wind. You watched A Mighty Wind? Yes, I did. Okay. All right, no. It's A Mighty Wind this week. I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Waiting for Guffman. Because I feel that that would be the first thing people go to when it comes to Fred Willard. And I want to sort of keep that to near the end. You know, subvert expectation. I yes. want to do his appearance as a wrestling commentator during an Air Bud film before I get to Waiting for Guffman. Okay. Because he was in the Air Bud movie where... uh now dogs are wrestling. And I want to do his appearance in that before we even get to what might be his most famous role in Waiting for Guffman. Now, just like last week, I want to start off our discussion of A Mighty Wind with another appearance by the Fred Willometer. How much Fred is in this film? How strong is the velocity of this week's film. I and I would say there was a fifteen percent increase over the previous from, movie from last week's film. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yes, he wasn't in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle a lot, but it was very memorable. He is in A Mighty Wind more than he was in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, but still, he is not in A Mighty Wind a lot. But in this film, Fred Willard is Mike LaFontaine. Head, 
What? That's what she was talking about. Yeah. Home movies. The mom. How was she explaining it? I don't even it? know. She, how which, was she how explaining was explaining it? it? A couple. Was, that was the, the woman with the kids and the big guy. The coach. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, a, a, and there's no dad? A couple of days ago, Eleanor was talking about, Dad, can I watch it's something? Can I watch? Movie. Can I watch a show? Can I watch TV? And I'm like, okay, what do you want to watch? You know that show with the mom and the mom has a kid and there's a big guy. And I said, is there and a I, dad? And I'm like, I'm so confused. What are you saying? You know that show and there's a mom and there's a kid and there's a guy. And and and, and Natasha and I were just we're just blown away like like we were what are you talking about can you tell me what 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 it's called the, the big show no. show no uh we now know that she was talking about uh the cartoon home movies and the big guy was coach mcgurk she literally just came ran into the room mom mom i want to show you remember that that show with the mom and the kids and the big guy it's on death computer hurry yeah okay running, oh gotcha okay now we finally Oh, we were we were blown away. Like we couldn't be Steve with all of the movies on the hard drive. I had just taken off home movies to put in something else. Oh. I think I took off home movies from the hard drive so I could put in uh, the folder of Fred Willard movies. Yeah. So there. No, so there you go. Now we figured it out. She wanted to watch home movies. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. So uh, in the in in this week's film, Fred Willard is Mike LaFontaine, head of a talent agency and former star of the sitcom What Happened. And I love that so much. It's one of my favorite characters of Fred Willard. Very quotable. He did his hair himself. Yeah. Yeah. He said uh, that. Uh, yeah. He frosted his own tips. <laughs> and went in there, and Christopher Guest, being Christopher Guest, said, "Great, go with it." Now, I have a, I have a, a mighty big connection to this week's film. Uh, two reasons why I have a big connection to this week's film. Number one, uh, I have always loved Christopher Guest movies and mockumentaries and mockumentaries in general. And my older brother made sure accidentally because he did not give a fuck about me. But I was raised with this is Spinal Tap. Yes. Thanks to my older brother. And I saw the Folksman live. Yeah. I shit you not. I saw Spinal Tap live in 1993 at the Mesa Amphitheater in Mesa, Arizona with my older brother. We were in the front row. It was a three-hour set with an intermission, and the opening act was the fucking Folksman. People just booed them relentlessly for like 20, their 20 or 25-minute set. People were just booing them relentlessly, but my brother and I, we weren't marks. Yeah. We knew what was up. I couldn't tell you what songs they played, what songs were played by the folksmen, but I did see them live. 
and plus there's the fact that the Folksman's first appearance was on SNL. Michael McKeon hosted SNL in November of 1984, and there was just a pitch-perfect skit of the Folksman reuniting. So as everyone at the Mesa Amphitheater booed the fuck out of the Folksman, real true SNL fans like my brother and I, we knew what was up. Yeah. So when The Mighty Wind came out 10 years later, I was like, oh, shit. They're from SNL, and I did see them live in concert. And then also, the second reason why I have a big connection to this film is because it it, uh, it came out in 2003. At the time, I lived in Sacramento. And I worked at the bookstore, and we were right by the mall, and we were right next to a big, very successful music store. and. Uh, we got a ton of free passes for movies. We 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 had free passes for movies just constantly all the time before they were released in theaters. So we got passes. I got passes to go see a Mighty Wind at the amazing Tower Theater in downtown Sacramento. It was my first and only time that I went to the Tower Theater, but I did go into the uh, Tower Records that was right next door a bunch of times. But uh, I got passes to go see A Mighty Wind, and and as it turns out, at the time, there was a new employee at work, a transfer from a B. Dalton that had closed down at Florin Mall. And so... I a, a bold move for me at the time. At any time, uh, we got along well during breaks and during cigarette breaks. And so I asked her out. I said, you want to go to this movie with me? It's a free pass. And it's at the Tower Theater, which is supposed to be gorgeous. And so she said yes. And she said, hey, yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, I'd love to go to this movie with you. How about I meet you there? When, are, when is the movie star? When are you going to get there? Okay, I'll meet you outside of the theater. She said she'd meet me there. And so I went to the preview. Uh, I, I got my seat. And then I said to my friend who I went there with, save my seat. I'm going to go outside and meet my date. So save two seats. One for okay. me and one for my date. So I go outside and I'm all excited. And I'm waiting for the date. And, and I'm nervous, and I'm smoking a few a cigarette or two, and I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and I'm looking at my watch, and I'm waiting, and I'm looking more at my watch, and I'm waiting, and my date never shows. Okay. And eventually the movie starts, and I'm like, fuck, I got to go back in. My date stood me up, and I was pissed, and I was upset. And so I sit down and my friend's like, where's your date? And it was one of those rare movie previews where, where all of the th- seats weren't taken. And I was just pissed and I was like, damn it, my date never showed. And so I sit there and the first time that I watched A Mighty Wind, I hated it. And the reason why I hated it is because I was stood up and I was pissed and I was angry and I took it out on this film and I'm like, fuck this movie, fuck the folksman, fuck Christopher Guest, fucking mighty win. I'm pissed off. And so the movie ended, and I'm like, okay, that's funny. 
I guess. I'm going to leave. And there's a big line of people waiting to get out of the theater. And, and the theater was steep. It was super steep. And, and, and there were, there, there were, it was, it was like a giant auditorium at a college. There were steps, you know, yeah. like you were like, and, and so I'm going down the stairs and there's a big line of people to get out. And I happen to be, find myself checking out some cleavage of someone who's a, it, very close to the exit. And I'm like, I shouldn't be looking at this person's cleavage. Uh, that's rude. I don't want to be a creeper. But wait, that cleavage does look familiar. Holy shit, is that my date? And I just yell, Natasha! <laughs> and she turns and she turns and she goes, Oh, Steve, you were here. And so I get out of the theater and she's out there and she's like, I'm so sorry, I was late and this and that. And I'm like, Well, I waited outside for you. And as it turns out, uh, you know, I, I waited up until the point that the movie started. And uh, I was like, damn it. She stood me up and I go into the theater and apparently she showed up 10 minutes later, but because the theater was just so dark and everything, I didn't notice when she came in and she missed me and she felt really bad. And she's like, Oh, I'm so, so, so sorry. And, and so we, so like, I, I'm sorry that I missed the movie, but we can still hang out and talk a little bit if you want. And there was a, a big giant fountain right next to the movie theater. And so we just sat down and we talked and we sat there and talked and got to know each other and hung out and laughed way longer than the movie. Okay, cool. Like the movie's like the movie's like an hour and 45 minutes, something like that. We stayed there for like two hours, two and a half hours, almost three hours just talking. And eventually we were holding hands and I got really nervous at one point because like we had talked so much that I didn't have anything to say. And so I'm just sort of looking down and I look down at her shoes and I just start kicking her shoes. Okay. And I start kicking and she goes, why are you kicking my feet? And I go, I don't know. I, I, it, it, I'm protesting. And she goes, what are you protesting? And I'm like, oh, I'm protesting the, uh, the, uh, the war. I'm protesting the war. And she said, oh, that's cute. You're cute. And uh, we didn't kiss. Our first kiss was our, was our next date. But to this day, if Natasha and I are ever like in a line somewhere or we're if if we're bored if if we're both standing around somewhere like say we're going to a kids i don't know concert or something and we're just sitting there and we're bored i'll start kicking her shoes <laughs> and she knows what that means she knows even though it's so much later she knows what i'm doing i'm protesting protesting what the war the war the war. So I love this movie, and it means a lot to me personally. Not only did I see the folksman, but this was my wife and I's first day, which got fucked up because she was late. Why were you late again? No, I thought it was something like you were you were like playing cards with your brothers or some shit. You were hanging out with your brothers, and finally, like Randall was like, "Hey," like they were distracting you. Maybe you said that at the time. 
Okay. Natasha it, is uncomfortable with how deeply personal we're getting about our torrid love affair. Oh. <laughs> so then I, I, love then I shouldn't write this tell-all book. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, uh, you can write it under your pen name, Kitty Kelly. <laughs> I remember when that name meant scandalous biography. Yes. And uh, so with the personal things out of the way, the thing that I like the most about A Mighty Wind, and I've, I said this, I've said this before on the podcast when we covered Dewey Cox, when we covered Connor for real. The real joke of this film is that the music, a lot of it, is really fucking good. Eh, for what it is, I'm not the hugest folk person, so, you know, but yeah. yeah, it wasn't bad. The joke is the movie is good. I actually have two new Main Street singers songs on my phone. I have Just That Kind of Day, which they play at the theme park, and their cheesy version of uh, Ramblin' that forces the folksmen to sadly play their one hit. Yes. I always, I always related, I always related to that part of the folksmen because there are, there are musicians who will play their one hit and musicians who will avoid their one hit. You know? Yeah. Like, that's uh-huh. what my older brother used to say. Like, he went to go see Grateful Dead once, and it's like, okay, we're going to play this one blues song for an hour and 15 minutes. And it's like, fucking, can't you just play trucking? <laughs> and it's like, okay, now we're going to play this jam blues song for two hours. And it's like, I'm not going to hear Touch of Grey, am I? <laughs> that sucks. And it's like, like uh, uh, when we lived in California, the White Stripes played. Uh, and, and everybody was rushing to see the White Stripes. And I was like, you know what? My favorite White Stripes songs, they would never play. They'll play some sad Tom Waits song for 10 minutes before they play Fell in Love with a Girl. <laughs> so it's like, but then there are times where it's like, when I went to go see Alanis Morissette, I didn't go, gee, I wonder if she plays, isn't it ironic? Like, of course she's going to play that. Yeah. she, she She's going to play every song of hers you ever heard on the fucking radio. You don't go to a Britney Spears concert and go, gee, I hope she plays Hit Me Baby one more time. Of course she's going to play fucking Toxic. Yeah, uh-huh. But then there are those... So I love the idea of like, it's like, oh, hey, the folksmen are reuniting. Yes. Now let's try every folk song we know before we even think about old Joe's plays. Yes. And then eventually uh, the new... Main Street singers make them go, shit, I guess we've got to play our hit. Yeah. And I love that so much. I also have one Mitch and Mickey song on my phone, but it's not the kiss at the end of the rainbow. It's when I'm standing next to you, which I think is a better song. 
Also, uh, their song, There's a Kiss at the End of the Rainbow, uh, it was up for an Oscar. Really? Yeah, that song was up for best song that year, and I love that. I love the fact that that was up for best song, but it lost to, uh, I think, I think some song Enya did for one of the, for one of the Lord of the Rings movies. But yeah, uh, uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara played that song live on the Oscars. Nice. It's one of my favorite musical moments from the history of the Oscars, right up there with uh, when Robin Williams sang Blame Canada. (laughs) Uh, And and, uh, fun fact, all, all of the music was written, almost all of the music, was written by Michael McKeon and his wife, actress Annette O'Toole. Whom I will always see as Lana Lang from uh, uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman. I think Superman 2. I think that's the one with Lana Lang in it. Is that a Neto 2? Okay. Haven't so, seen her so in a while. So uh, apparently, uh, the way the songs were written was... Michael McKeon and Annette O'Toole lived in L.A. And Annette O'Toole at the time was playing Superman's mom on Smallville. And so when so she lived in L.A. And then when it was time to film, she would take a, a plane to Vancouver to film Smallville. And she's like, oh, yeah, honey, I'm going to be going back to the set soon uh, to film the next season of Smallville. Yeah, I've got a ticket to fly on 9-12. Should be no problem for me to get a flight on 9-12. Okay. And then then 9-11 happened, and so all of the planes were just stopped. And she's like, shit, how do I get? to the set now because we're going to be filming on like 9-13 or 9-14 so Micah McKeon being awesome just said you know what fuck it let's get in the car I'll take you there nice and so Annette O'Toole and Michael McKeon drove from LA to Vancouver British Connecticut and on oh, the yeah. on the entire huh Vancouver British Connecticut is what it's called. Vancouver, British Columbia. Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah, no, yeah, I got it. I, I got it. No, no, no. I, 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 I was almost there. I was almost there. Vancouver, British Canada. So, so, and on the way, they wrote most of the music from from a mighty wind. Cool. I that one car trip, and sure enough, like, long drive. yeah, that's a long ass fucking drive. Because L.A., I mean, that's like you're 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 just driving going from L.A. to Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, you're driving the complete up of America. That's when you get into like the middle part, and you have like another state or something of California. Yeah, and then you have a whole ass another state to go before you get to Vancouver. 
yeah, so what are you going to do for that entire drive? I guess write folk songs is what you're going to do for that whole drive. Because sure enough, she is credited with writing a lot of these goddamn songs. Like, damn, good for you, Annette O'Toole. I was looking up facts about this uh, about this movie, and one of the facts, one of the weird facts, number one, that uh, Annette O'Toole, that Lana Lang wrote, uh, helped write a lot of the music, I thought was weird. And number two, apparently the new Main Street Singers was loosely based on a massive uh, folk group called the New Christie Minstrels, yes. a 1961 folk band with a ton of people that would go in and out of the band and two famous people that were in the new Christie minstrels before they were famous was number one, Barry Maguire. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Eve of destruction, Barry Maguire. I used to sing that at the dirt bar in Arizona to piss off all of the redneck. <laughs> this guy almost beat me up after I sang it. He said, uh, yeah, I used to hear that song a lot in the 60s. I fucking hated that song in the 60s. And he's like toe-to-toe with me, like fucking the rock and stone cold. So Barry Maguire was in the new Christie Minstrels. And who else was in the new Christie Minstrels? Fucking Kenny Rogers. Yes. Yeah, Kenny Rogers got his uh, start with music being in a... a, a version of the new Main Street Singers, and I think that that's really fucking interesting, you know? And I also believe Chris Christopherson and Kim Carnes. Yes, yes, Kim Carnes. Kim Carnes, that was the other name that I saw there, yeah. Fucking, uh, didn't she do Betty Davis Eyes? Is that what she did, or am I And mistaken? that's pretty much all she did, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, Betty Davis Eyes wasn't a real hit until it was covered by a, a true m- musician, Buckwheat. <laughs> That's when Betty Davis Eyes, I think, really hit the mainstream is when Buckwheat did a version of it. Uh, this cast is amazing, but I wrote down some honorable mentions. Uh, uh, number one, Bob Balaban is an amazing straight man. Uh, he looks a lot like Perry was a manager at the bookstore that would just give everyone shit. He 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 was a he was a manager, and he also, when he was younger, was homeless for a large period in time, and constantly talked about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he would talk. Yeah, he would talk with nostalgia about his time as a homeless man. No, no, no. Certainly. I said he would occasionally bring back nostalgic homeless smell. Oh yeah, no, he always smelled like a homeless person. He always <laughs> wore these huge ass Cosby sweaters. It, it even if it was super hot. So yeah, Bob Balaban is radiating Perry energy. Uh. Catherine O'Hara has an amazing singing voice, which is so comforting to hear after her scream singing from Waiting for Guffman. Yes. Her just screeching in that film. It is then comforting to hear her beautifully singing 
in a mighty win. She gives a quiet, muted performance that I don't know is based on Stevie Nicks, but I feel she radiates Stevie Nicks in it. I feel I she just didn't a, get that. I, I I just feel that like that like she could have based it on Stevie Nicks. That like, hey, I was a thing. Still kind of am. Like like she's trying not to be funny. She, like she's she's doing a straight performance, really. Yeah. But she has an amazing singing voice, and I swear. I'm going to watch Shit Creek one of these days. <laughs> Every, it was a complete accident. It's not, I didn't know the link, what the link was because I thought we were throwing out emoji Discord server. And then I clicked it and I was like, this is not an emoji server. This is Shit Creek. I'm going to mute it immediately because eventually I'm going to it's not a popular show, but the people who like it, it's it's just a cult. It's like the supernatural of half-hour comedies. Yeah, no. Uh, it's not a 100% super popular show, but God damn it, their fans no, are just no, goddamn like, rabid. For homework, can you please tell people to look up the fucking turkey scene where she gobbles at <laughs> the Creek? Yeah. Oh no, I haven't seen a gobble, single goddamn gobble. scene. Shit, it's like a very emotional. I didn't know either until I was forced to watch this, and it is a, it's a, an emotional scene, and it's like <sighs> gobble, and I'm just like, what the fuck am I watching? No, okay. seriously. Okay, all right. When I when I first heard that, like, oh shit, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, starring in a sitcom. I'll watch that one of these days, and then it, it, that eventually just blew up into this big, massive show with a cult following. One of these days, I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I love the idea of the new Main Street singers as a cult. Yeah, with like their uniforms, it, especially. Uh, former porn actress Jane Lynch. This is the first time I ever saw Jane Lynch in anything. And she's great in it. Speaking of, this is the first time I saw John Michael Higgins in anything. He's the leader of the new Main Street Singers. And he's one of those uh, comedic actors that, like, you see in half of everything. <laughs> you know? And uh, he's amazing in this. And here's the amazing part. Uh, he has a background in, in singing. And so originally the new Main Street singers were all supposed to sing on the, in the same note. But John Michael Higgins said, hey, uh, shouldn't there be like arrangements, vocal arrangements? And Christopher Guest said, yeah, but if we did vocal arrangements, we'd have to hire someone and they'd have to come in and it would be a long process and we just can't do that. So John Michael Higgins said, I've got a background in music. I'll, I'll do the vocal arrangements. So all of the vocal arrangements for the new Main Street singers, he did himself. And he gets a special credit in the in the credits for being the vocal arranger for the new Main Street Singers, and that's really fucking impressive, you know? Yes, it is. And very good on him. 
I love all of the Christopher Guest mockumentaries. That being said, I think I've only seen For Your Consideration once. I don't really remember a lot of it. But other than that, you know, I think I saw mascots more than I saw For Your Consideration. I'm not familiar with For Your Consideration. That was the movie that, that was like the last one that they did before Mascots, which was a Netflix original. So For Your Consideration is all about this small indie film about a Jewish family getting together for Purim. <clears throat> and it's just these act these small time actors doing the small time movie but then suddenly somehow inexplicably this film gets oscar buzz and it goes to almost everyone's heads okay and suddenly this and suddenly uh Catherine O'Hara is getting plastic surgery suddenly Eugene Levy is getting uh is getting like an entourage suddenly uh the director is is just it 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 starts ruining oh no that's waiting for guff that's the play for your consideration is all about the oscar buzz this one movie gets while they're still filming and now the oscar buzz ruins the movie and i think i saw it once maybe twice but i that's like I want to do that one before we do Waiting for Guffman, which I think is one that like everyone will be waiting for. But <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to be waiting for Waiting for Guffman, and I think that 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 makes sense like, stylistically. Yeah, that we'll be waiting for Waiting for Guffman. Uh, so that's all I've got for a Mighty Wind. I love this movie. I love. It, it, it's so sad that Fred Willard's dead. It, it, sometime too during the summer of of Fred Willard, I'm gonna start watching Space Force on Netflix. I haven't started watching it yet, but but Fred Willard's in it. I think it's the last thing he did because Fred Willard was on a TV show, a black and white TV show called Space Force, where he was the captain of the Space Force. So when they made this new modern netflix show space force they said well we have to have fred willard in it because technically fred willard was the original space force so i've been avoiding seeing this new netflix show just because i feel like it's going to give me feels yeah because fred willard has just been in everything all of my life i remember as a little kid just watching fernwood tonight thinking this is the weirdest coolest fucking show in the world and just, I grew up with Fred Willard in my life. And it's, it, it is, I was legitimately sad when I heard of Fred Willard's passing. I'm like, damn it, no, I got a real wet wagon. <laughs> I'm so sad that Fred Willard is dead that I can't do my work. <laughs> <clears throat> so really, really broken up about this, but I'm excited about our summer of Fred Willard. This is yes. this is this is this is steps ahead of our summer of Star Wars. Oh my god, opinion. yes. Yeah. Steps ahead. So that's all I've got for a mighty wind. Next week, I feel like we've been doing uh more recent Fred Willard films. Uh and Fred Willard has had a, a very lengthy career. 
So we did Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. That's 2004. And then our second Fred Willard movie was 2003's A Mighty Wind. And so he's Fred Willard has had a very long career, and we need to go old school. So next week, we are doing the 80s comedy, which I'm very excited to see again because I don't think I've seen it this century. Next week, we will be doing the 80s comedy Moving Violations. Okay. Which Hollywood thought was going to be the breakthrough movie for Bill Murray's younger brother. Oh. And he is great in this. He looks like Bill Murray. He sounds like Bill Murray. He really is a Shetland Bill Murray. (laughs) And he's really fucking funny in this as a Bill Murray-esque character. You know, like this movie fits in well with like meatballs or stripes and uh, Bill Murray type outcasts who are trying to get a gang of a a ragtag band of misfits together to fight whatever the power is in this weird comedy. And it just it's really good. But people didn't like it because it's like, oh, Bill Murray's brother. Okay, Next. And I haven't seen it in forever, and I'm really excited to, to to watch this movie. I was so excited when I was a kid, when I was when I was in high school to to take jury duty. Uh, no, no jury duty. No, to 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 do um, driver's ed. Yeah, in high uh-huh. school, and I was so excited because it's like, oh. If there's one thing that movies like Moving Violations has taught me is that when I do Driver's Ed, we'll be watching the gnarliest shit. (laughs) Blood flows red on the highway. And like we actually watched that movie and I'm like, holy shit, it's real. It's not just something that the horror movie fan was excited to see in Driver's Ed class. This is a real thing. So, so did I'm we really cover that one? I, break this movie down. I know we covered at least one Driver's Ed movie. Yeah, like we covered like the first Driver's Ed movie, like Signal Eighty or some shit. Something like, like that. that, yeah. Yeah, and that was the, that was like the the first ever gory Driver's Ed film. But yeah, red asphalt <laughs> and shit like that. That was so I. I yeah, I remember some things from this movie. I remember that uh what Stacy Keach or some shit like pulls him over and he's like the angry cop and Bill Murray's brother gives him his driver's license and it has Indiana Jones in the picture. <laughs> and so the police officer looks at the picture of Indiana Jones on his fake driver's license and looks at Bill Murray's brother and he's trying to do this like dashing handsome face and and I just remember thinking that's so cool. So, excited for next week. Moving violations. We will also be talking about the YouTuber who faked his girlfriend's death for subscribers. Also, we're going to be having a, uh, a contest next week, which I'm very excited about, but I'm not telling you about it, Bonnie, because I want it to be a surprise. So that's next week, and it's going to be a big episode. But now that I'm looking back at this episode, uh, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, I got to say, I think this has been a pretty good episode. This has been a damn good episode.
Okay, I, I felt the same way about it, but I feel that you were the one who gives the damn rating, and I didn't want to step <laughs> on your toes. But, but yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve, and I was able to hear you through 99% of this podcast, and that that is... Uh, a very good thing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Good thing. Yeah, I, I, it, this episode technically was steps ahead as Pierce often But yes, on behalf of Eleanor and Maxwell and Bella and Natasha and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening and we'll see you next week, you godless heathens. And you can travel to the future. And Cut and print.